I'll be reading Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 8. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne, saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and he will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, and for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Thank you, Katie. John Lennon sang a song called Imagine Heaven, except it didn't quite go that way. Here the, are the lyrics. He sang this, imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below us, above us only sky. Anybody? Yes? No? Know the song? Yeah? Familiar? Right? John's belief was that if we just get rid of this silly idea of heaven, and if all people would give in to the idea that this world is all there is, then that would make a difference in how we live today. We would live more lovingly towards one another, and this world would be a better place. Is John Lennon right? We're going through a look at the Bible, specifically. Uh, we're drawing a lot of scripture, and we're also looking at a book called Imagine Heaven. And Imagine Heaven is a book full of near-death experience accounts. Um, we will play some of those partial interviews for you. We're sending out the full interviews via email update. So if you're not on our email list, make sure that uh, you are. We can send you to the right place so that you are. And uh, those full interviews are going to be sent out. But this book, Imagine Heaven, is a direct attack on Lennon's song because uh, I don't know if John Burke did this on purpose with the way he titled the book, but Imagine Heaven is kind of a command to us, right? It's exactly what we are called to do as Christians. And if John Burke didn't have this attack on John Lennon's song in mind when he wrote his book, it's clear that the Apostle Paul and the Apostle John and Isaiah and maybe Ezekiel, they absolutely did have that in mind when they wrote their books. But we'll get to that first. I want to ask this question. Have you spent time imagining heaven? Have you spent time imagining heaven? How many of you are taking a vacation uh, this summer? Like three of you. Okay, awesome. Uh, nobody else taking a vacation. The three of you that, uh, raise your hand. <laughs> Where are you going? Somebody be brave. Where are you going? Something beach. Alabama. That's, that's quite a ways away. Did you, did you have to spend some time planning for Alabama and getting the dates right and 
maybe some tickets bought or some reservations made, or you're driving a car, yeah, you've got a route planned, and you've got, to, you've got to things that you want to see on the way, and when you get there, there are things that you're going to do. This, all this planning goes into our vacations, and I want to suggest this, and this is not me implicating you about your vacations, it's me implicating me and all of us about just how we plan our vacations, and yet we don't take that same time, that same effort, and imagine what our eternity is going to be like. Most of us have planned more thoroughly for our vacations than we have for our eternity. And so that's our challenge today. Let's imagine for a little bit. Let's do the opposite of what John Lennon suggests. The question today is, your eternity deserves that. And we're going to have uh, people who have had near-death experiences help us a little bit. We're going to look at some scripture. And these, but these people kind of fill in the gaps for us because they have glimpses where they got to glimpse the afterlife and they've come back to describe that afterlife in incredibly unbelievable ways. And we are interested in that because we all have questions about heaven, right? Uh, If you had to make a list of your top questions about heaven, uh, these would absolutely make the list. What will heaven be like? That's on everybody's mind. Number two, will I recognize people? Uh, We answered that last week. What's the answer? Yes, yeah, we're going to recognize people. Uh, Three, do we become angels? That's a common question. And the uh, clear answer to that is no. We're we're humans. We're made in the image of God. We will always be humans. And angels are a different dog. And speaking of dogs, that's question uh, uh, four that pops up. Like, will there be animals in heaven? Will there be, you know, my pets, will they be there? And the clear answer to that is dogs, absolutely. Cats, no way. Mm -mm. No. <laughs> Jamie's back there. He's a, he's a cat person, so he's giving me catitude right now. And it is. <laughs> we are interested in questions, and our questions about heaven are always good because they force us to imagine what it might be like. And it helps us because the reality is that our theology is pretty weak in this area. We don't know a lot of this, about this place. We, we, we know less than we think we know. And what we know, what we believe about the afterlife, that's important because it affects how we live today. What we believe about the afterlife affects today. Lenin thought this, if we could just get rid of heaven, then we would be better off. We would love each other more. The Bible is going to say exactly the opposite. If you think of heaven more, you're going to love each other better, and it's going to be a better world In the uh, year 96 or 95 AD, the Apostle John had a glimpse of heaven. The Apostle John was one of Jesus' younger disciples. He may have been an older teenager, maybe early 20s when when he hung around Jesus. And now it's, it's maybe even 70 years later. And he is exiled. He's in his 90s. He's exiled on an island. And he's given this grand vision of the life to come. And he writes down everything that he sees, and you have it collected for you in your book of the Bible called Revelation. If you open up and go way to the right, all the way to the right, uh, you'll get there. And the fascinating thing about what John writes and about what near-death experiencers tell us is they describe kind of the same place. They, they describe the same things that John writes in his vision in Revelation. They go to a real place with a real city with real bricks and rivers and roads and they get to see this new 
Jerusalem. They have different vantage points, of course, but they all see the same thing. And let's start with what John saw in Revelation chapter 21. That's what the text was that was read before you today. And he sees several things. He sees newness. In verse 1, 2, and 5, he sees a new heaven, a new earth, a new Jerusalem, a voice from the throne in verse 5 saying, I am making all things, what's the word? New, new. God is about recreating and restoring and renewing the earth, and he does that through Jesus. John saw relationships in heaven. Verse, verses 1 and 2 of chapter 21. The new Jerusalem is coming down as a bride prepared for her husband, and that bride and groom picture shows us the kind of uh, closeness we're going to have with God. It's a marriage kind of relationship. He also says the sea was no more. And that's important because even in John's day for sure, but even in ours, the sea is what divides us. Seas divide countries and nations of people. And in the heavenly city, there will be no more sea. And the relationships will be the center of this place and everybody will be together. It was a city, verse 2, a holy city, consecrated, dedicated to God. There's no sin there. It's a home, verse 3 and 4. He says this voice from the throne, the dwelling place of God is with man. And we can track that phrase, the dwelling place of man, all through Scripture. It's an amazing journey. The bottom line is heaven will be in the truest sense of the word home. Home. God will make his home with us. And we will have a home in him. Look at Revelation chapter 7, verse 15. It says, he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. It's an awesome scripture. And is this what indie ears are talking about when they come back and they, they describe everything being infused with this love and this light and even the walls and the bricks and the grass and the trees and the other people, everything is infused with this light, which is God's love. Is that being Is that God being a shelter to us, a home, making a home for us with his very presence? That's amazing. Verse 6 and 7, John sees completeness. The, The voice says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the first and the last. In other words, I am the A to Z. I am everything. And if you are thirsty, you will be quenched because I am everything. If you are victorious, if you have given your life, if you've trusted the person of Jesus and what he did on the cross, then I will give you the sonship that he earned for you. And at the end of time, that mission that Jesus completed on the cross when he said, it is finished, it lays the groundwork for in heaven for him to say again, it is finished. It's complete. Everything is done. It's ready to go. All of God's people are here. Finally, verse 8, even in this vision of heaven, there is this opposite reality. I don't, have, I don't know how to say it just to throw it out. It's hell. John sees hell. The, the, the voice from the throne describes this alternate reality of hell. There is one. And some of you were like, okay, it was fun imagining heaven, but now you're, you're calling me to the other place, and, and I'm not sure that I, I can buy that. I don't want to go there if you, if you want me to buy into this devil and pitchfork fork thing. And I want to tell you two things. Number one, it's no accident that John writes this here. He's writing what he's told to write. He's writing what the voice tells him to write. And in a couple of weeks, we're actually going to cover this topic of hell because there are a significant amount of near-death experiences that are actually negative. Anybody gotten to that part of the book? And those are hugely 
unpopular to talk about. I mean, think about that. Nobody wants to come back and tell, tell everybody their experience was negative. And yet, they are really, really common. Number two, if there's a switch in your brain that, gets, that begins to dismiss this idea that, that there is a hell, that a good God wouldn't conceive of such a place, I need you to think about it this way. That this life is a mixture of exceptional beauty and also deep dissatisfaction at the very same time. That's the way we navigate life. Even the best marriages have some cracks. Even the best vacations, there's some rough spots. Even the best jobs have those times where we just have to and get through it, right? That's the way this life is, but not so in eternity. In eternity, what God is going to do is completely separate those two things. And so we get, at the end of the day, the experience that we're really after. There are a lot of people here on the earth that do not want God. They do everything they can to try to run away from Him. The problem is, God is pretty much in control of this world. No matter where you run, you can't run far enough. He's going to be present. But there, not the case. If you want to run from God, you can. And for the first time in your existence, you will understand what life is like really divorced from Him. On the other hand, some people really desire God. They want all of God that they can get, but this life is full of traps, and it's full of snares, and it's full of potholes, it's full of temptations, it's full of sin, and sometimes we just don't get all of God that we want because we're distracted. And finally, there will be a place in heaven where none of those distractions exist. And God can be experienced without without any obstacles in the way. Can you imagine a place like that? That is amazing to think about. That's what John writes. And he writes these things for a reason. He writes these things to move us to a task. To a task. The angel comes to John and says, I'm going to show you this city. I'm going to show you all of these things. And I want you to write it down. And what John realizes when he starts writing is, there's no way, I, there are no words. I, I can't, so he has to use this little four-letter word, like. When he sees the city of, come, of God coming down and it has God's glory, he's like, I, I, don't, I don't know how to say that, but I don't know how to describe this, but it's kind of like, if you could imagine the rarest jewel that you've ever seen and the way the light would dance off of that jewel, that's the glory, that's, it's like that. The city is transparent, but it's made of gold. I don't know how to describe that, but, but it, it's like if you were looking through pure glass. That's how the streets of heaven are. I don't know how to describe this river that's flowing from the throne of God. It's such a dazzling display of light, but maybe it's like if you could imagine pure crystal flowing down and the light bouncing off of it. It's like that, what is John doing when he says like? He's calling us to imagine. Imagine. Like equals imagine. We're not doing what John Lennon said. Imagine there's no heaven. We're imagining that there is. The Bible calls us to do the opposite thing and imagine. And any time that the topic of heaven comes up in the scriptures, we find this word like. Because there's no words for it. It's like 
gold. Heaven is like a kingdom. Heaven is like a feast. Heaven is like a wedding. It's like a river of pleasure. It's like a pearl. It's like a mustard seed. Heaven is like seeing face to face, but it's only like those things. So John is telling us on one hand to imagine, but he's telling us that as soon as we do, that whatever you've thought isn't even close. (laughs) Because <laughs> it's only like those things. It's, heaven is infinitely beyond what we can imagine. And of all the tasks that we're called to as Christians, this has to be one of the funnest, right? To imagine heaven. It's easier to do when we get a sense uh, from people who maybe have had glimpses of it. And so we're going to roll a clip here. And uh, we're going to hear from Don Piper again. We're going to hear from Dr. Mary Neal. And we're also going to hear from, the, for the first time, Uh, Captain Dale Black, who was an airline pilot who ironically crashed into a monument that was in the middle of a seminary campus. (laughs) Does God have a sense of irony or what? And he's shown heaven. Okay, watch. So in, in your book, you describe flying into, is it the New Jerusalem? What is it? Uh, and, the, and describe the beauty and what you saw. I get this incredible uh, airborne view, a descending, slowing down airborne view of the city of gold. And it's city. It's a city that's walled. Over, over the city were majestic mountains that were as gorgeous as any that could be ever seen. However, they did not look that different than earth? I wasn't disappointed by that. I'm not saying that. I noticed snow. So think about that. Snow. What does that mean? Atmosphere? Temperature? Snow? What's that all about? I noticed flying birds later. What does that mean? Uh, These are the kind of questions I ask. Okay, if a bird is to fly, it can't be a vacuum. I'm hearing music. What does that mean? Music can't transfer in a vacuum. It has to be in an atmosphere. There's atmosphere here in heaven. Oh, what does that mean? That and means, you're flying, but you don't have wings. Right. I'm floating is what I would call it. I'm floating and coming in, descending. And finally, I come down and touch ground level for a while. And I'm hovering between 40 feet-ish and down. And, uh, but I, I recognize later, oh, there is gravity there. There is gravity. There is atmosphere. There's water. There are animals. Inside the city, I I could see, uh, we'll start from foreground to back, if you like. Uh, I could see the townships, as I call them, homes that people lived in, homes that were likely to be created for the people of heaven. Interestingly enough, they struck me by not so much the size as the architecture. I know nothing about architecture Hmm. at all. I still don't. But uh, I recognize that there was something divine about the architecture of the buildings. There were small, what we would call like uh, condos here. There were single-family residences that we would call here. There were huge palaces. And I could see that, but... And this is all inside the wall? On the other side of the wall. I saw none of this. And how big is this city? I mean, can you tell? 
I could not tell other than it was beyond the horizon both directions. There's countryside inside, so that it's a, it's gorgeous, beautiful, all of the adjectives times a thousand. So coming up to this dome structure, maybe, was it a city? Could you tell? Was there something inside? Well, was there an entrance into it? There was an entrance. It was a big arched entrance and a wide threshold. What did that look like, that entrance? Well, similarly, it was almost like the old Roman block arches. But again, these blocks were uh, seemingly solid looking, but not. They were really woven together with love, which is nonsensical. Uh, but but you were aware of a structure yes, and Yes, it seemed structural to me. And was there, and you know, the gate of heaven or a It gate? wasn't, well, I don't, there wasn't a gate. When it was gate. just an archway. Yeah. And I would say, again, that if I had any inclination that I was coming back, I would have tried to make more mental notes because many of the questions are the same questions that I ask myself now. And I will say that I was able to see many, again, people, angels, spirits, I'm not sure, very busy. And I don't know what they were doing. Inside the Inside. They were all very busy. (laughs) I don't know what they were doing, but they were doing something and clearly doing God's work. Well, the gate is quite large. Um, uh, The the, the gate itself, the entrance is small. and the wall is very thick, but you can actually see through it. So I'm looking over these people, and I can see through it. And there, there appears to be a, this massive boulevard that really kind of bisects the city, and it is made of gold. But gold that is so pure, you can see through it. It's, it's, what do you mean? Well, you can actually see through the gold. It's gold, and it's visible and tangible, but it is it is pure. Now, we can't imagine that here because gold on earth is one of the densest metals we have. But in heaven, it's so pure you can see through it. So you can see under it. You can see even the roots of trees and things like that. There are trees there. In fact, the tree of life is there mm-hmm. uh, that we were not able to eat of here. We can eat of it there. And you can, you're looking through I'm looking at the tree. The I'm looking at the gates. I'm looking through the gates. I'm looking down the street. There is a river that flows from this this throne or this hill that's high and lifted up. And I know that's the river of life because we're told that it flows from the throne of God. So uh, many of the things that we know and enjoy and love here uh, are visible there as well. Um, I would say this, and, and um, heaven's never going to be less than this. It's always going to be more. Yeah. So whatever you imagine here that is is meaningful to you, to you, the relationships, the beauty. And let's face it, there's some glorious places yeah. on earth, but there should be because God created it. This is his place. So heaven is not going to be less than that. It's going to be more than that. There are structures on both sides of the, of the city. Uh, they look like uh, mansions to me. I mean, they're glorious places for people to dwell. Um, so it, it's just a it's just an incredibly awesome, overwhelming, bustling place. It's not a boring place. There aren't any cherubs sitting around on clouds playing harps. This is an active, exciting, healing place. And at this magnificent gate, a very large uh, 
wall, a very thick wall, and uh, but it could, there's a gate, and it looks like the inside of an oyster. It's a, it's a gate made of pearl, uh, really quite dazzling, very br- brilliant, very beautiful. It almost looks like it's pulsating with life, except I I know it's the light reflecting off the gate that makes it makes it look that way. It, it, the arch and the tunnel was the same substance. It was not stone, but it was in the stone. But what was the substance? It, the substance was pearl. It, it looked like liquefied pearl. And when the light from the thro- throne room, that's the only light that there is, emanated through, it just bounces off the pearl. There's no shadows, and there's no darkness at all, and there's no need for n- uh, unnatural or artificial light mm. and it's, it is uh, a sight to behold and welcomed me to go through it but I, I couldn't go through it at that time is that not amazing the similarity between their accounts and what John writes our task is to imagine this place they get a glimpse John got a glimpse and we're told of those accounts and so we, we just have to imagine, but that's what we're called to do. Why are we called to do that? And John's message is pretty clear to us because if you can think ahead to the glories of what the next world will bring with your inheritance as a son of God through Jesus, then you can face anything on this earth. It makes a difference what we believe about heaven. It makes a difference what we imagine it to be, and what it really is. Paul says the same thing in Romans 8, 18. He says, the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed to us. Think about all the things that Paul had to go through in his life and in his ministry, prison and beatings and uh, stonings and shipwrecks in constant danger, sleepless nights, hunger, thirst, cold, and anxiety for all the churches on top of all of that. And he says, it all doesn't even register when I start to think about heaven. When I imagine that place that he has created for us, and there's a secret that we're being given here, the secret of life, of how to face anything that life is throwing at, at us. Are you anxious? Are you fearful? Do you worry? Is there ridicule in your life? Is life beating you up? Whatever it is, how you imagine that thing is the crucial point. And if you imagine it and allow that negative to play out, guess what? <laughs> but if we, if we take this discipline, and it is a discipline, it's a way of disciplining ourselves to do the same kind of imagining about what God has in store for us, about his glory and about his grace and about this place that he has prepared for us. If we're sinking under the weight of whatever it is, it's because we're not thinking about God and his glory and what he has prepared for us. We have this practical advice. Christianity gives us this way of dealing with this life. It just simply says this, take the truth and think about it until the glory of it overwhelms you. Is that what Paul was getting at in Philippians when when he said, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, whatever is excellent, if anything is praiseworthy, think about such things. Imagining heaven takes the pressure off. The Bible says our answer 
is not to cast heaven aside, but to think of it more, to consider it more. The answer is to consider it more. The Apostle Paul writes it this way, and ironically, he's quoting Isaiah, who also had a glimpse of heaven. And so here are two guys who had glimpses of heaven, and they're saying the same thing. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. I want you to watch just another clip of Dale Black, and then we'll wrap up. But this is his stage interview talking about what he saw in heaven. This flashback took place in the emergency room when I was in this accident. I realized that I was no longer that young kid who loved God. I was a kid who had kind of lost my way and uh, loved my life and loved my goals and my dreams because it was all about me. It was all about what I wanted, not what God wanted. And I was sad about what had become of me. (laughs) I mean, I still knew God. I still knew there was a God, and I did know that Jesus was his Savior, but I had lost my way along the path of living for myself. And Uh, But the grief and all suddenly uh, departed and I moved out of the hospital into a deep outer space. Uh, Long story there, it's in the book, of course, but I saw this city of gold uh, in quickly, uh, this golden, brilliant, uh, it, it was white light in the center, but it moved out and it was a, a ball of heavy, thick, gold light and all the colors in the rainbow were in the white but what I saw was the white and the gold and as I got closer and closer uh, Pastor John I I knew that this was the city a holy city I knew I was in heaven you're, I, you're looking you're coming like flying into a city yeah yeah flying into a city uh, approaching uh, and decelerating and descending why God would oh, do only that? Only God would do that for a pilot, right? <laughs> Does that mean I'm going to be kicking a soccer ball through the gate? <laughs> it, it, it means that we're going to have to go through flying lessons here pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, I'll help. No, but that's that's just so yeah. fascinating. It's and and you, so you're. It, it, did it feel like flying? I mean, no, there was no sensations of G forces or or uh, uh, physical distortion of the eyes squinting, none of that. There was no discomfort in, in any way, but, but travel was extremely fast, and then it began to slow down as I got near what I called the city of God. The, I, I knew it was the city of God, and I knew God reigned here, but he was in the light, and it was on the other side, there was a, a wall around the city. How big was the city? Uh, the city was huge, way larger than anything like Paris or London or Beijing or anything, Mexico City, way bigger than that. And what, what I saw, and I'm able to kind of quickly judge distances, you know, because you're trained to do that, but about 40 miles into the city, way back beyond the wall, uh, there was an event going on that is, uh, it's easy to describe when I write it, you know, because I can write better than I can speak. Sorry about that. (laughs) (laughs) But there was, of course, the mountains and the flowers and the air, all the things that uh, you've mentioned before. But there was this humongous 
crowd of people and angels that I was able to see from a long, long way away. Over, I was looking over the wall, but still on the outside of the city. And this group of people and angels were moving with the music and they were moving in praise and swaying with the music and talk about oneness and unity and love. There, there's life in music. There, there is, there, the light is full of life and, and love. And it's light that's palpable. It's thick. It, it's, uh, it has substance and weight to it. And all the colors in the rainbow are in it. But that light, and I knew is coming from God. I knew it. Everybody knew it. Everybody knew this was God. I mean, it's like you would say here on the earth, well, duh, you know. (laughs) It's God. The light comes from God, but in that light is the love of God. How do you describe the love of God? Well, you spend a lifetime trying to do that. It's unconditional love. It's not based on who you are, what skills or talents you have, how much money or success you have. It's based on just the fact that you and I are the creation of God and he loves us. He loved me and I could hardly... I told myself I wouldn't cry this time. <laughs> you know what? I... You know, you know what's so awesome? <laughs> You're going to make me cry. I try to stop it. <laughs> well, I, you Couple know. Couple of engineers. <laughs> but Couple you of know, engineers crying. Every time oh my you God. talk about this, <laughs> it comes from so deep within you, doesn't it? It does, because it's the spirit of God inside the spirit of his children. And I'm just one. But it's God who's alive, who has created us in his image. And when we get out of the way and we let the Spirit of God in us, then we can reflect His light and His love and His life in this world. And that's how we can conquer disease and that's how we can conquer darkness in this world because it's the light of God in us. It's the love of God in us. And it's that life of God. And it all comes from Him like you were preaching so well earlier. Do you think Dale's glimpse of heaven makes a difference for his today? Absolutely does. Makes a difference. And we get that same kind of glimpse, not because we've died and gone to heaven, but because John did, and he tells us what it's like. And these people are saying the same thing that we're told in Scripture. Being able to imagine heaven gives me all the strength that I need to have to face whatever I'm facing today. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for these glimpses. We thank you for John's glimpse that in heaven, when he writes about this glimpse of heaven that he got, he writes always of Jesus being the Lamb, the Lamb of God. And it means that even here in the middle of a glimpse of heaven is the gospel message. It's the Lamb of God that gives us life and power. It's the Lamb who is our substitute that allows death to pass over us so that we can live forever. In Jesus, we have gained everything 
Without him, we have gained nothing. And Father, let us do what John did after he saw a glimpse of heaven. He fell and worshipped God. Let us do that today. Let us worship you for this amazing gift of grace that you have made available because of your son, Jesus. Let us praise his name. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.